You're listening to What's Wrong With This Picture? Freaky films and why we frickin' love them. Hi, I'm Lindsay McCullough. And I'm Gary Mulholland. And in each episode of What's Wrong With This Picture, we'll be looking at a movie we think is weird and wonderful. We sometimes do include the endings where it's key to what the film is, so please be prepared for that. So anyway, buckle up and join us on a journey to dangerous cities, suburbia and other fantasy worlds. It's going to be a wild ride. This time we're looking at Women in the Dunes, a Japanese film from 1964. It's directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara. The cinematographer was Hiroshi Sagawa. And it stars Eiji Okada as The Man, later known as Nikki Junpai, and Kiyo- Kiyoka Kishida as mm. The Woman. Mm. I should say yeah. that neither, neither Gary or I speak <laughs> Japanese, so we're giving these um, names our best bets, and apologies if we are wide, wildly off the mark. Yeah, absolutely. But um, we will see how we go. So, Gary, tell us about the plot. So, uh, we see a man um, walking through what appears to be a desert. Um, he, we learn that he has uh, left Tokyo uh, on an expedition to actually what is an enormous beach um, to collect bugs um, because he is an amateur entomologist as well as a school teacher. Um, he is uh, searching uh, for these bugs and at some point takes some rest, falls asleep on a boat on a beach. And when he wakes up, um, he is informed by uh, a strange man. Um, oh, by the way, you know, the last bus is gone. And um, uh, he, he basically asks, well, is there somewhere nearby I can stay? And they say, yes, there is somewhere nearby you can stay. Maybe you could stay in this place um, that we have near our village. Um, he f- is led to this place and suddenly finds himself climbing down a rope ladder into a very long uh, valley of sand. And uh, they, he goes to this house where there is this woman. Uh, and uh, what it, it almost feels like a hotel. Uh, he is basically, she is giving him her hospitality and um, making him dinner and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and he tries to bed down for the night in a place that is absolutely packed with sand. Um, he wakes up in the morning and quickly sees, yes, guess what? The rope ladder isn't there anymore. And mm. he is, in fact, uh, been trapped here. Um, he becomes the widow's lover. Oh, I should say widow. Um, we learn that this woman is a widow. And um, uh, he becomes her lover. Um, and one evening, uh, using a improvised grappling hook, he manages to devise an escape. But he is very quickly tracked down by the villagers. Uh, and put back there. What um, he and uh, his new partner uh, are instructed to do is dig sand. Um, and that is what they do. They dig sand, uh, partly to stop themselves from being covered in sand, and partly uh, to give to the villagers um, so that the villagers can go and sell this sand to people who make cement. In return for this digging of sand, they get food and water. If they do not dig the sand, they do not get food and water. Mm. Lindsay, what's wrong with this picture? Uh, well, I, I, 
I think what's interesting in it for us, Gary, is that um, although, you know, we have seen our share of kind of Japanese horror films and much mm. later films, that this 1964 Japanese film is kind of out of context for us. Normally, yeah. we're talking about films, say, from the golden age of Hollywood or from the 60s, which between us, we have a fair degree of knowledge about and a fair degree of kind of experience in. So this one, we're coming to a, a little context free, but I know you're going to talk, talk about that a bit later on. Yeah. What's, what's weird about this film is it's all on one set. Mm. The characters don't have names until at the end we see a kind of missing persons report that's been filed about this man and his name is Nikki Junpei. Yeah. Um, but before that, they are just the man and the woman and they have they have no names. Um, it's a story where it's a, it's a film where the plot or the narrative isn't really the thing. It's the feeling. So it's very, it's quite allegorical. And even from that short plot description, I'm sure people will have picked up that there is a kind of capitalism yeah. uh, allegory to it. Um, but it's more about how this place feels. It's very haptic, as they say in film studies circles, which is about it, it affects the senses that are not just hearing. Uh, what, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Yeah. It's kind of what are you smelling? How cold are you? What does it feel like? What what textures are there that you can really imagine? And this film, I think, does that really well. As you say, the bulk of the film, I would say 98% of it, takes place in this one room, which is where this woman lives in this house. So her house is par partially submerged. She has to clear this sand um, partly, as you say, to, to get the sand to the builders. And there seems also to be um, a view that if she doesn't clear the sand from her place, then the whole village will, will be kind mm. of up in arms. But this woman, I mean, God knows how long she's lived there, but she is the queen of denial. We can call her Cleopatra. Mm. She is mm. the queen of denial. Um, and that, I think, is part of the weirdness of this, of this film. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing that's immediately weird about it, it's a film with only three main characters. Uh, one is the man, uh, one is the woman, and the other is piles and piles and piles and piles of sand. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the sand is, the, I'd say, the star. If, you know, at the credits they could just go starring sand. Sandy McSand. <laughs> then they'd be accurate. It's... And what makes it so extraordinary, it makes you think about sand in a completely different way than you ever thought about sand. Yeah, we all know if we're on a beach and, you know, we, we, we've been lying around the beach and then we come home and then we realise, oh, I'm covered in a bit of sand. And, you know, mm. you, you hopefully get it off in the shower and onto you do, um, you know, it sticks to your feet and, and you know, it crunches your bits of your body. Um, they live in that. Yeah. So sex is in that. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 their work is in that sitting down for a meal is in that yeah. it is and the way he uses and uh, sorry I forgot the cinematographer's name Hiroshi uh, Sagawa thank you um, the way he is instructed to shoot is extraordinary because it's not just close-ups this is extreme yeah. close-ups yeah. so what you are looking at is the effect of sand on someone's inner arm yeah uh, you know and the the camera lingers on that uh and you know or or when the two make love you're seeing it at such a close angle you are very very aware that it's sex but you are more aware of the sand and the potential yeah. pain and yeah. masochism of, of it all and um it it's also has these incredible shots of sand that looks like water yeah it trickles doesn't it yeah um, and so when sand flows down this enormous hill of sand, 
Um, and you, you're, you're looking at it and thinking, is this a special effect or is this sand? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it looks incredible. And um, I should point out, um, you know, because you know I'm a fan of Lawrence of Arabia as well, but um, Lawrence of Arabia is in glorious Technicolor to get yeah. the feeling of sand over to you. This is in monochrome. Yeah. Um, and when I say black and white monochrome, it is steely grey yeah. monochrome. Yeah. And how uh, the cinematographer and the director make a film look so beautiful when it consists of almost nothing except a shack, sand, <laughs> uh, and nothing else um, in black and white. Just le- The first time we went to see it, I was just sort of, what the hell? How have they even done yeah. this? It, it does make you think, that the shoot must have been quite arduous. I haven't been able yeah. to find anything about what it was like on the production, but in my imagination, it must have been, I think, quite, quite hard. I, th- I think the thing about the sand as well is, uh, <laughs> I've just reminded myself, I just made myself laugh by reminding myself about that bit in uh, From Dust Till Dawn when um, the guy's at the door of the nightclub saying, wet, boozy, dry, boozy, hard, boozy, hard, boozy. So here we have... Dry sand, we have wet sand, we have hot sand, we have cold sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just made a connection between women in the yeah, gyms and yeah, from yeah. Dustled uh, Up. Tarrant, uh, what is it, Robert Rodriguez. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, carry on. Um, and and, and that, that kind of feeling of, of texture. So you know, you know, we all know what damp sand feels like, that mm. coldness. You know, when yeah. you dig your hand in the, yeah. in the beach, on a sandy beach, that coldness and that kind of quite clamminess to the to the touch and and dry sand when you're trying to kind of get your footing in it how difficult that is yeah and that, that that's what this whole film is is about it's it's as you say the sand is the, the third character but it's also it's the controller it's the power it's yeah. it's it's god in their mm. world i mean i guess officially they are kept prisoner by yeah. the villagers, and that's the other thing. You know, are, are the are the villagers victims as well, or mm. are they just mm. oppressors? Um, but this is, I guess, where the whole capitalism thing comes. I, I comes think we in. may as well start on that because yeah. I th- I think um, that is a huge the the hugest thing about watching Women in the Dunes is it's one of those beautiful movies where you're sitting there going, okay, what does this mean? Yeah, and uh, all the to- the way through it, you're sitting watching, what does this mean? What does this actually mean? What is he trying to say? And then at the end, uh, you're really, really sent out of the cinema or, or away from your TV set going, what the hell did that mean? And definitely the easiest thing to go to is it is a metaphor or allegory yeah. for capitalism. Um, we are all engaged in lives of futile toil. Um, we could quite plainly be free and could quite plainly do what we like, but we are somehow conditioned, uh, trained, mm. trapped into futile toil and we just go along with it. Um, and that's definitely one way to look at it. Another way to look at it would be it's an anti-communist tyranny uh, fable um, that uh, in the end this this is a futile toil um, from tyrants, from dictators. Yeah. Um, and that therefore this is not actually about capitalism and that capitalism is actually maybe represented from the city of Tokyo where he came from. Um, and so 
I I agree. I can see Lindsay. You're going. Yeah, I don't buy that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm with the anti-capitalism one, but um, uh, you know, I was reading a few interpretations of it before yeah. we start, and and there are just as many that say, no, it's an anti-communist yeah. fable, and it's kind of like, ah, and there you go. And uh, he's not answering the question for you. The director never answered the question for anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's what you make of it, and what you're bringing out of it is what you're going to bring into it. Yeah. And I think, and I think. You know, your attitude to gender, it, it's going to inform what you think it's saying about gender. Your attitude to sex, it's going to yeah. inform what you what you think about what it's saying about sex. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I think so. There's, there's, there's one point where, uh, so she's a widow and we don't know how long she's been down there. Her husband and her daughter, I think it was. So this, mm. this is their job. They live in this kind of submerged house. They have to keep the sand at bay. That is their job. It's a hard job for a woman alone, as mm, she says. Yes. So this is why they're always on the lookout. Other students have come here. People who've got lost have come here. And you can only imagine that they are in other kind of submerged houses in other parts of the or village. Or they're dead. Or they're dead. Or they, yeah, or they're dead. Um, it's, it's a hard life for a woman. She needs someone to help her because the physical graft of getting rid of this sand is immense. They have to do it at night because it's too hot um, otherwise during the day. So when the man arrives... One thing we haven't mentioned, which is really key, he's an entomologist. Yeah. He's come here on an insect trapping holiday. Yes. <laughs> so the first five minutes before he ends up down in this in this um, abyss is him kind of carefully collecting bugs and butterflies and trapping them. And in that way, it, it remains allegorical because it's yeah. kind of like, this is what's coming. This yeah. is what's coming. Guess what? You were a trapper and now you're a trapee. Yeah. And I, and I really want to talk more about that in our second bit when, cool. we're, when we're doing what's right about this movie. Okay, okay. Um, but because, yeah, but that, that visual allegory is perfectly realised. It's, it's one of those movies, because um, essentially we were having a conversation earlier today, uh, me and Lindsay, about the auteur theory and this whole idea that a film is just made by a director. And, um, and uh, you know, and then you'd read the, the credits list of, you know, any yeah. film, pretty much, and there's about a thousand people on mm. it, and you kind of think, really, that auteur yeah. thing is nonsense, isn't it? They're not just made by directors. They're made by hundreds of people. Um, or in a low-budget, more low-budget film like this, you know, dozens. Um, this feels like a real collaboration between yeah. uh, the and the novelist, uh, the novelist, sorry, Kobo Abe, yeah. uh, who wrote the original story, and who is a collaborator... Uh, with uh, the director um, the musician Toru Takamitsu um, again those three collaborated a lot on more than right, one really. film and then the two actors who are so so good Yeah, and it feels like this is not one person's vision this feels like five very yeah. very clever and accomplished people's collaborative vision um, and I I I just love that. I just love that. It's not just one guy's ego or something. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know. I'm aware as well, though, that we're presenting it as, you know, the vision of five people who work together and it's a capitalist uh, allegory set in a 
dark sand-filled dungeon. I mean, we're not selling it. It's actually, it's actually one a, a great film that does make you think. But there's there's real aspects of humour in it as well. Yeah. So he's talking about his former life in in Tokyo, and this woman, as we say, God knows how long she's been down there. She says, um, she says, of course, this place isn't as interesting as Tokyo. It's like. No, it's a sand dungeon. I mean, that's to say the least. It's not as interesting as Tokyo. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's and 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 this this denial that actually this place is is just like a small town where people are happy together. And yeah, you, yeah. you might come in your fancy city ways, but actually this is just as good. It kind of persists. She's she's doing some extra work. I couldn't figure out what it was. Actually, it's, it's like something involving beads or something that mm. she makes. Um, and she's doing this for like extra money to buy a radio, and she says to him at one point, "Oh, you you you'll be able to listen to the weather forecast on the radio." It's like, is that for all the day trips you're taking from the sand dungeon? Because you're <laughs> you're both trapped here, and I guess maybe her her way of dealing with that, her way of not going insane, especially now that, uh, since she's been there by herself, is 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 to believe that life is normal and that this is yeah, normal life this, because yeah. and this comes back to capitalism if 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 ever we all stop like in um they live the john yeah. carpenter film if ever we all they all we all stop and kind of look around and go uh what are we doing why are we doing this again well it's the matrix isn't yeah, it you know yeah, it, the, yeah. the, that's the most popular way that that idea has ever been explored isn't it yeah, you know yeah like if we all stop yeah. and look at life and someone came to us and said don't you think this is mental? <laughs> um, this is completely mental how we're all behaving and what we're all doing. Um, in fact, you're not doing this whatsoever. Uh, you're actually trapped in a pod somewhere, you know, feeding some alien. And in fact, you should be doing something else. I don't think any of us would be completely shocked. Yeah. You, 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 you look at the way Donald Trump behaves and the fact that he actually became president of the United States. You think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this isn't actually <laughs> yeah. real at all, is it? Yeah. So going back to this movie, I think one of the, the key things because um, in this movie is um, the Koba Abe's original novel, there is an awful lot of, as, an, you know, as a, a good novel has, these are the thoughts of the main character. So an awful lot of mm. explanation of motive and, uh, you know, uh, what he is thinking when he is doing things, what he is thinking about escaping, what he is thinking about his past life. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, Teshigahara Teshiga um, decides not to do it that yeah. way. There is not a, narr a narration. There, it, it's an enormous decision. There's no voiceover. You are not being told all the time what this guy is thinking about. He's going to do this visually. The pictures are going to tell the story. And his motives are going to be mysterious to you. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to work out yeah. what his motives are and what they're not. And I think, for me, that is what makes... Because there's so much right about this film. But what's weird about this film is that. Yeah. It'd be big because it's a, such a classic story where you would have that main character telling you all yeah. the time what they're thinking and what they're trying to do. Yeah. And no. I guess in, in that way, it's just reminded me, I didn't I didn't make this connection before, but I was thinking about, you know, a Hollywood version of this. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Raquel Welsh had the rights to this in the 70s. No. Yeah. Oh, what a great story. I know, but it never got made. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know. And, and you can only imagine that it would have been a very different film had Raquel so. Welsh been playing the woman. I think so. But but I guess what it does remind me of, you know, you can imagine a kind of Hollywood version of this yeah. that would not get it. Yeah. Um, but I guess it does remind me of um, that Bresson film, A Man Escaped. Yeah. 
yeah different, okay press different on. ending and, yeah. and, and different feeling but but that that kind of again no voiceover um, there might be a bit of narration actually in that I, I can't quite remember but it's 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 a very kind of internal you're you're yeah um you're told a lot of information visually and that's yeah. how you that's how you make sense of it and you mentioned the, the close-ups and i think that's really good so there's loads of close-ups of sand as you see yeah. flowing there's there's sand that could represent kind of water could represent anything represents time mm, it represents yeah. the time of his life it's yeah, the sand yeah. in a little what do you call hourglass. those hourglass yep it's a sand in an hourglass yeah. um yeah. lots of close-ups of bugs bugs yeah uh, being being trapped yeah lots of close-ups of kind of an eyelash or a, a bead of sweat i mean yeah. when we say close-ups these are not face size close-ups no these, these are, are bead of sweat size close-ups They're, magnifying glass yeah. close-ups. Yeah. you know yeah. what, what, what what microscope yeah um and close-ups. that and that that I think is really clever. I hadn't really thought about that before, but these, these are these are these are animals. They they they're living like animals, but like animals in a lab. Bugs under glass. Like bugs under glass. Exactly what he's been doing to the to the other bugs. Why did we not think of that? I before? don't know. That is well, we just thought of it now. So that's Andy. So one thing that I think is also, are we on to what's right about the film, I guess? We not are. yet. Oh, okay. Go, go, do the rest of the plot. Oh, do the rest of the plot. Shall then. I do the rest of the plot? Why not? So, uh, the man resigns himself to his situation um, and uh, requests time to see the sea and etc, etc. He becomes obsessed with an idea of uh, perfecting a way to produce water in sand. Um, and that becomes the way that he copes with this. Um, at one point, uh, suddenly... Uh, the woman is ill and uh, it appears to be an ectopic pregnancy. Um, the villagers uh, come and they take her to a doctor um, and um, he is left there alone. When he emerges from the hut, they've left the rope ladder. Yeah. He's free. There is no one standing there to stop him and he starts to climb <laughs> and chooses to stay, uh, saying basically... You know what? I really, I've got a point here now. I've, I've just found the water. Yeah. They'll be so pleased. The villagers will be so pleased. And the film's final shot is of a police report showing that John Pai has been missing for seven years and declared as having disappeared. Yeah. The and end. Yeah. Um, but he, he gets out, he gets as far as the sea in his escape attempt. So it's not like he gets to the top of the ladder and decides that he's out. Yeah. He's free. Yeah. He comes back. Yeah. And that's yeah. the that's the issue, isn't it? Oh, we yeah, we did say that. Um, you know, we we do often talk about uh, endings in uh, what's wrong with this picture, and we decided that we couldn't really no, talk about this can't. one and not and not talk about the ending. He 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 comes back, and and you know what what are the reasons for that? Um, one thing that you uh, mentioned earlier is that he has this desire before he escapes mm. to see the sea yeah. because. It, it, it feels like it's in a desert, but they're actually on yeah, sand dunes, on a beach, <laughs> near, <laughs> near a beach. Yeah, um, so he's he's desperate to see the sea, and the villagers who are all kind of awful, and there's not one really that appears to be the leader. That's a very kind of communal mm. oppression that, that that's being practiced, and they're peering over the edge, and they're like, "Okay, you can see the sea, um, but we want to see you and her having sex." Oh, of course. Oh, my God, that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, want to yeah, see yeah, you yeah, and her yeah, having yeah, sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he is 
kind of taken aback by this. But I mean, they are at this point. They have they have had sex. I don't know how often mm. they're having sex, mm. but they have had sex. And he. So you're watching this from above. You're watching this from the villagers' point of view up on their uh, kind of peak, um, what where they're watching the, 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 the submerged house below. And that's what we're seeing as well. So we see the man mm. go into the submerged house. Mm. Don't know what discussion happens between them, but he starts dragging the woman out. He's going to do it. He's he's going to rape this woman in front of them so he can see the sea. And she's, she's fighting back. He says to her at one point, why are you fighting? You live like a sow anyway. Mm. Um, and and that's that's kind of mm. underlining they are animals they mm. are under glass they're mm. constantly being observed their 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 um, food is controlled their water is controlled everything is dehumanized they are de- dehumanized and this is his further kind of dehumanization of her she's not having it she fights back and eventually he kind of um, she she can't physically overpower him, but eventually her her fighting back brings him back to himself, yeah. and 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 that doesn't happen. But it's a really kind of horrible scene. She's it's quite hard to get a handle on her character. I think up yeah. until that point, because to start with, she's she's very servile, and she she makes his food. She does all the work initially with the sand and he says oh I should help you before he realises he's trapped in he says I should help you and she's like oh not on your first night yeah like, not- <laughs> what do you mean first night I'll be gone in the morning and she's like mm, okay um so she, she does she does a lot of the work and she calls him guest mm. and this in that capitalist algorithm reminded me of you know when um companies say the I don't know the McDonald's family or you mm. know the the colleagues yeah that, yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah that kind of way of, of saying you're not trapped here, you're actually here willingly and she's she's calling them a guest and that's yeah. and that's part of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that um I think was it is it's much better the second time round because yeah. well uh, let me rephrase that. It's absolutely bloody brilliant the first time round. But it gets even better the second time round because the second time you can see the humour in it. Yeah. The first time you're just so wrapped up in the what the hell is this and what's going to happen, you're not really, you know, you're kind yeah. of not looking for all the visual clues. You're not really looking for things like, oh, yeah, you know, at the beginning of the film he trapped a bug. Oh, look, they're now trapped like bugs. You're not looking for that stuff. You're caught up in the plot and the, the feel of it. Um, the second time around it starts to get funny. You know, the, the, this scene at the beginning where he is the guest and... Um, uh, and when she sort of when he says oh well, not on she said not on your first night um you can't help laughing because yeah. you know something that this poor guy doesn't mm. know um the bug uh the thing at the beginning becomes hugely hugely obvious um at the beginning of the film it, it, when they're having this first dinner together um when he thinks he's just going to be leaving in the morning he's a dick yeah he is such a condescending patronizing dick she's talking about you know things that she insists are, are true in the place where she lives, which is like the sand can rot the wood and, mm. and, and th- there's bugs that can eat through the wood. And and he's just, yeah, stop talking gibberish. Stop talking nonsense and bring me more dinner. Yeah. He's he's a dick. And part of you is sitting there going, you deserve what's going to no. happen to you. Uh, not, I don't no, know. I know I, sometimes I, we, we disagree about who deserves what. Well, but. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I just... It, Let's put it as dark laughter. For for the, the second time I was watching it, I, I I was laughing darkly. And there's there's a bit again when um 
at the beginning where you know the villager is, is one of the villagers are talking to him about oh yeah you can you know you can come and stay in this place and um and you know it, it, it's sort of like you know something like i don't know is it far to go and 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 you know the villagers kind of like no no it's not far to go <laughs> and and he's he's got that gleeful villain face yeah, the second time yeah. you see the gleeful yeah. villain face the i know something you don't know yeah. and it, it, it's funny um there are these, you know, there's a hot, that scene is really, really difficult to watch. The one that you yeah, described. Yeah. Um, but it has so much dark humour yeah. throughout the whole film. And the ending is just such a great shock ending. It, it It's one of those sort of great shock endings, though, which it's been telling you all the time it's going to happen. Yes, yeah. A whole film has been telling yeah. you, essentially, he's going to choose to stay yeah. here. He's never going to escape. Not never going to escape, but never going to want to. Yeah. And that gets you back to the allegory and the metaphor. What is it saying? You know, is it basically saying once you've been conditioned into the capitalist trap, even if someone offers you freedom, you can't can't leave it. You'll keep nine to fiving it to the end of your days. Because you don't recognise the cage that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's he he has a know it all at the start, isn't he? So yeah. as you say, he's 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 telling her all about sand. She lives this twenty four seven. It's her it's her work. She says at one point, uh, you know, no one no one would look at me if it wasn't for the sand. No one would would um, mm, like value yeah. me if it wasn't for the sand. So that that kind of her work is is her thing. But she knows sand. She might yeah. not know much else. She might not <laughs> yeah. know about Tokyo. You know, she yeah, she says don't question her knowledge on sand. Yeah, the um the. Uh, she, he said, she says at one point, oh, you know, the young people all leave because, you know, there's cinemas and theatres elsewhere. And mm-hmm. it's like, and you're in a sand, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she, one thing she knows, as you, say, as you say, she knows about sand. It's her chosen specialised subject. Mm. She knows about sand. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, water doesn't travel through sand that way. His whole experiment at the end is how yeah. water does travel through, through sand, sand that way. So, yeah. So, so he, she's flagged that up at the beginning of yeah. the and he spends the rest of his days there yeah. trying to work out whether she's right yeah, or not. Yeah, exactly. But he, he says to her, you know, in, in his in his all, all-seeing knowledge, oh, if erosion is a problem, why don't you just plant trees to prevent erosion? And she says, oh, well, they've, they've proved it. I don't know if this is the villagers. They've proved it's much cheaper this way for her <sighs> to have this back-breaking labour yeah. for the rest of her life. And, and, and that... To me, it says there's no doubt that this is a, a, an anti-capitalist allegory because they've proved it's cheaper this way. Is yeah. mass production? It's yeah. the industrial revolution. It's it's, it's everything. the profit motive. It's yeah. Everything. It's it's kids kids today. You know, being being enslaved to pick chocolate beans to make our chocolate. At, at least anyway. And the of, fact that we're all going to be enjoying a World Cup soon, which has been yeah. built on slave labour. Yeah, exactly. You know, children children making. Fast fashion for all of us. It's 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 yeah, all of that. It's, it's all, all of that. that. And uh, you know, for a film from sixty years ago, it's quite far seeing. Yeah, I suppose I should mention at this point. Oh, but there was one thing. Oh, oh there's something that came into my head. I just really want to mention it. No, I'm going to go back to this. So, um, it it is a, a part of what is generally referred to as the Japanese New Wave. Yeah. Um, and this roughly uh, went from the early 1960s into the early 1970s. And it was essentially kind of a reaction, but not not in a hugely kind of angry way, um, like some sort of new waves have been. But basically, 
you know, you had your Kurosawas and your Ozus and they were the establishment, the great, great Japanese directors. And it was a bunch of younger people who, you know, yeah, I respect that. It's all great, but I need to find something different to do. And I need to react against what is seen as Japanese cinema. And they did this generally by um, much odder, more surreal stories like this and a lot more sex. Yeah. Uh, so basically, sexual liberation. Um, so I guess you know, perhaps the key film in some ways of the Japanese new wave, which comes right at the end of it, is in the realm of the senses. Oh yeah. By Nagisa Oshima, which is so, which is so sexual and so kind of um, extreme in what it says about sexuality. Um, that it was actually marketed in some ways uh, in the West as a porn film when it came out. Really? Well, in in the sense of that's what people talked about. Oh, there's this. I think it was re- renamed I Know Corrida at that point, mm. um, and it was kind of pushed to the press as oh, there's a lot of shagging in it. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of shagging. Like Last Tango in Paris, exactly yeah, the same yeah. thing. Oh, there's a lot of shagging in it. So you know what it wasn't being sold as. It's a great art movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so. So that's kind of like the backdrop of the Japanese in the way. And I also uh, wanted to mention um, the composer, uh, Toru Takemitsu. Um, Takemitsu um, was um, an actually, you know, quite high profile avant-garde composer of that part of the 20th century. Um, he was um, a kind of put in the same kind of category as people like Stockhausen, uh, John Cage, even Debussy. And the first time uh, me and Lindsay uh, saw this movie, uh, it was a special showing in Brighton. And the person who came up to introduce the movie, which, you know, doesn't always happen when you go to a movie, was um, Stephen Malander from Cabaret Voltaire. Um, those of you who are uh, younger than us, um, <laughs> Cabaret Voltaire were a massively influential uh, electronic band uh, who started in the late 70s um, and uh right through until the early 90s, were very, very influential uh, in electronic music and what became kind of techno. So, and Stephen Malander was quite honest uh, when he got up to talk about it and says, look, this is a brilliant movie, I love it, but the reason they've got me in to, to, you know, kind of talk about it is the music is brilliant and the music is so brilliant that it's one of the things that that really influenced Cabaret Voltaire uh, and what we wanted to do. And the music is very atonal, um, it's very uh, clanky and cranky and screechy, but in this very, very beautifully organised way. Uh, we spoke earlier in uh, What's Wrong With This Picture about um, Under The Skin. Um, there is definitely a similarity in the music here, uh, which is you know in the music from Under The Skin, which is much, much later. And what I kind of guess most want to pick out about it is... I almost want to ask Lindsay this question more than just state it. Go on then. Is Woman in the Dunes a horror film? Yes. Yes, I guess. In some ways it's a horror film. Those those kind of inescapable situations. So rather than somebody's chasing you or there's some supernatural thing... It's a bit like those ones, and there have been several, where people end up in the water and they can't get back in their boat. Uh, it's it's more like that. It's this inescapable fate mm. that yeah. that that you can't that you can't escape. I wouldn't call it a horror film. There are you know, 
depends what you call a horror film. There's no there's no jumps in it. No. There's there's no I wouldn't say there's much suspense in it, even even in his escape, or maybe there is. I I think the reason why I wanted to ask you it and yeah. see what you you thought about that is the music makes it feel like one. Ah, uh, okay. And if, yeah, for example, okay. a different choice had been made and it had been, I don't know, orchestral, you know, melodies or... The Beach pop, Boys. Pops or the Beach Boys. <laughs> oh, good one. Yeah. Okay. Sandy Nelson. Um, <laughs> pop Sorry, Beach Boys was bad. Uh, pop songs of the day. Um the film would have a completely yeah, that's different true. feel. That's true. But this music makes you start watching it and you start thinking, this is a horror movie. Oh, shit, what's going to happen? And that way that music can immediately change your... Yeah. Just affect your perspective before you're even looking at anything. And considering one of the first things you're looking at is a giant bug. Yeah. And this music, a tonal weird music is going on behind it. You're thinking, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then... It's a horror movie for a different kind, uh, as in it it puts you in a scenario where you sit, you can't help thinking, oh, my God, can you imagine life being that awful? Which is not, you know, the same yeah. as jump scares. or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's very oppressive and it's quite, it it masterfully makes you feel what it would be like to be in this small room. Yeah. Which is underground, made of sand, surrounded by sand. Uh, you know, his his first meal is she has a an umbrella attached mm. to the ceiling that she can move around, um, and he has to sit under the umbrella because otherwise the sand just falls in your dinner. It's omnipresent, <laughs> and I think that oppressive feel. See, I, I guess I wouldn't call that a horror movie, but but it is uh, it is a very unsettling film. I think. Yeah, yeah. Other things to mention: it's the first movie, uh, Japanese movie to get a uh, Oscar nomination. All right. Um, it was for the director. Um, uh, and uh, the best film that year, uh, and I think best director as well, uh, it was 1965, was The Sound of Music. <laughs> now, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Two more disparate films you could not want to see. I, you, know, it, you know, the Academy Award, you know, you know the Academy. Uh, you know, you slag them off. You can slag them off all you like. But I can't help admiring a group of people who came, who came up with, yeah, we're going to give it to Sound of Music. It was the biggest grossing film of yeah, the year, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's about a, an ordinary family who beat the Nazis single handedly with song. Um, but I tell you what, we'll nominate this director yeah. who made a film about sand in Japan. Yeah. Um, and it was completely weird, and the music has no melody whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I've got some admiration for that. Yeah. I wonder if there could have been a breakout hit, though. I am Sandy going on Sandier. (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) By the beat voice. Um, Yeah. And uh, so I think I just I just kind of the last thing I really wanted to say was I, I just remember that it has it has this apocalyptic feel this kind of last two yeah. people on earth feel yeah, which relates sure. it to things like the omega man or 28 days mm. later or whatever and i just remember the impact on us when we first yeah. went to see it and we came out and we were just we talked about it for a long time and we were just really blown away and it was one of those things where you'd said to me this is movie i've never heard of it it's mm. like, should we go and and it, it was like, oh, my God, Lindsay, I'm so grateful. Uh, that that was just awesome. Good. Well, I um, I, there's, there's two things I want to mention. So um, 
One is that when she first become becomes ill mm. and uh, somebody from the village comes down to kind of help, help um, one, he sniffs her and kind of says, there's a there's a baby. Like this, like he's, mm. there's a baby. And the rest of the villagers take his, his view because he's got a medical background. He mm. used to shoe horses for a vet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the black humour, yeah, right? Yeah, the black humour. And also, you, you asked me, and you haven't asked me here, but I think um, mm. I should say, from a female perspective, mm. what's my takeaway? Well, my takeaway is, no matter how bad your life is as a single woman, it can get worse <laughs> when a man moves in, he tries to rape you, and then you die of a miscarriage. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, you've answered a question that I was going to ask, which is, yeah, do you do you think the implication at the end is that she's yeah. uh, she's going to yeah. die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's now the one that's left alone in this house. That Thematically, that has to happen. Obviously, we don't we don't see what happens to her. She gets winched up, mm. um, up uh, to, to, to the surface, if you like, um, and is taken away in, in, in great pain. Mm. Um, and they do say at some point, oh, it looks like it's a miscarriage. Um, yeah, mm. he's... He's there alone. That's now his I think fate. that's a different thing, though. I, I, yeah, they, they've taken him away because they've taken her away and they want him to be alone. No question about that. It's a different... But they might just say, right, you, you've done your time. No, no. Get, you know. Capitalism kills you in the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. okay. So, there's only one thing, really, that this could be possibly... You know, grains uh, of sand. Grains of sand. All right, my scores for grains of sand. Um, I, I I love the film. I don't think it's an easy watch. It's long at two and a half hours. And previously in this uh, series, we've watched Midsummer, also two and a half hours. Mm. This feels a slightly longer two and a half hours. I think it's slightly mm. more oppressive. For that reason, I'm giving it eight. I think it's weirdness eight. Eight's across the board for me. Okay. Uh, weird grains of sand weird 10 um, I think it's one of the strangest films I've ever sat through and I thought it was even stranger the second time round um, and I just think it's so unique and maybe there's millions of films in the Japanese new wave yeah. that have got exactly the same vibe we must do some more research we better do some out. research but from my perspective I, I've never seen a film made like this uh, that sounds like it looks like it and explores the same themes in any kind of similar way. So 10. Uh, for uh, quality, nine. Um, I It is, it should, two and a half hours of something so bleak and claustrophobic should be difficult. I don't think it's difficult to watch at all. I, mm. I, I'm going to challenge you on that. Okay. I think it's an easy challenge watch. Challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> it's an easy watch. I think it's funny as fuck. I think it's really scary. Uh, I think it's completely compelling. And I think the ending blows you away. And uh, I, I I, just think it's genius. Okay. But would you rather go there or would you rather go to Tokyo? Well, Tokyo does have cinemas and theatres and things, <laughs> so I suppose. We'd need to go to Tokyo for the cinemas and theatres. Otherwise, we'd have to make our own entertainment using kind of lanterns and... Sand. And sand. <laughs> sand sculptures. <laughs> so, go and watch this film, but watch out for the sand between your toes. Until the next time. Till next time. What's Wrong With This Picture is brought to you by Lindsay McCulloch and Gary Mulholland and is recorded by Russ Keffert at Audio Egg. Music composed and performed by Russ Keffert.